We're in Luke today, chapter number 15, uh, 16, 17, we're all around there, especially verse number 20 is where we will camp today, our final message on the shepherd's resolve. See what the Lord has done. That has been our theme all the way through this, and the shepherds resolved today, they're resolved to praise. Resolved to praise. I'm going to read you the story once again, starting in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and running all the way through verse 20. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them, about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things that were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Thank you, Father, for the passage. We've had some great joy studying through it together this last few weeks, and one more time we ask, Lord, that you might teach us from it. Thank you for blessing us with not only this great news in print, but the great news of a Savior who has made the difference in all of our lives. We give you the glory for that, too. Uh, may we learn again from the shepherds today and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. The shepherds resolved, resolved to go. Resolved to see. Resolved to tell. Resolved to praise. These things we've been working through the passage, looking at a couple of verses in the response of our shepherds that we read in the Christmas story. I I was looking through it again as I prepare each and every week. I I dig through these passages and uh, I noticed something, kind of a pattern if you will. But notice how after hearing the message from the angels, the shepherds had a response to that. Their response was, they went. They saw. Now, after the response to that message, the shepherds had a responsibility to it. The responsibility was they told. And today, they praised. We have looked at the word resolved mixed into all this. They were determined. They were going to go. 
They were going to see. They were going to tell. And don't be surprised that they praised on purpose too. It was an intentional act, a firm decision for them to do something. The shepherds went back, verse 20 says. They went back glorifying, praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Here they're going to set an example for us. You ready? It is very easy at this point for a pastor to take a passage and make everybody feel rotten for not measuring up. Right? Because when somebody says, we're going to talk about praising today, guess what the expectation is? Get busy. All right? Get busy. I'm not going to do that to you. All right? I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do it to you. I'm just going to tell you what I see here. They set an example. They went back glorifying and praising God. A reaction to what they heard from the angels. A response to what they saw in the manger. What they saw in the manger. They glorified. Now, this is a word you're familiar with. Even if I say this Greek word, you're going to say, Oh, I've heard that word before. It's the word doxa, and we put an ology on the end of it. Doxology is the word we use for something that goes with praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? It's a praise item. That's the Greek word for praising or glorifying. Doxazo is the verb. It means to render something glorious, to esteem it as glorious. It's really what you think. That sounds funny. God is glorious, let me tell you that. You can't add one inch to His glory. You can't make Him more glorious than what He is. He is all glorious. But when it comes down to the trigger in that little heart of ours, some reason, the words come out like how we esteem Him. He's going to be glorious whether you esteem Him so or not. But wouldn't you like to do that very thing? To agree exactly with what He is and who He is? This is giving Him honor. And that's the word. It's to honor Him. It's to magnify Him. We use that word every now and then. It just it sounds bigger, doesn't it? It's the word for praise. It is also the word for worship. To glorify Him. We use that word a lot. We use that word a lot. Sometimes we, we put it in songs, and our goal is to sing it so it sounds pretty. We could say the word over and over again without ever putting the substance inside of it. What is it? It's the way you esteem your God. It comes from the heart that says, I honor Him. I worship Him. It's a big word. And I gave you that to say that the second word is the one I really want to focus on because every time we say the word praise, we just have an association in our mind of exactly what it is. It's, it's what? We say we're going to praise the Lord together. What is that? What does that look like? What do you mean, praise? Like, I'm going to explain it a little bit to you because even when I was studying it and I crossed this word, I said, Wow, Lord, that is really, really touching to my heart. The word is aineo. A-I-N-E-O. If you're writing it down. Aineo. 
It means to praise. That sounds easy. Praise. That's all it has in the, in the Strong's Concordance. It really means just praise. But it tells you it's from another word. And that always intrigues me because I love words. And I start tracing the words and I say, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because praise sounds so general. I found the root word, and this is where it gets really cool. To tell the story. That's where it comes from. To tell the story. When you praise, you tell the story of why you praise. It's fitting. It's fitting. This idea. Somebody comes up and says, well, praise the Lord with us. What's your first question? Why? What are we praising Him for? Praise the Lord with us. Well, what, what happened that you want me to praise with you? What, tell me the story. Because you do not praise without purpose. I hope. Just for somebody to say, well, let's just praise the Lord together. You say, well, let's put it down. What's the story? What did he do that prompts our hearts to say, yes, I will praise him with you? This is the word I was looking at. And the shepherds declared their praise. Even in this verse 20, it tells you why they praised. And that's an important part of the verse. It says, for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. They declared their purpose for praise. Their story is wrapped up in the end of verse number 20. I, I like the way Luke recorded this. As I was reading through it, it says that Luke's gospel, he investigated these things. He went and asked people, about these things. He, he probably, no doubt, talked to the disciples. Pulled them aside and said, Hey, alright, you were there, tell me what it is. And he's starting to take notes. He says, tell, us, tell me about the events in the life of the Lord. I, I want to record it in the book. So I want to hear. Maybe he went and talked to Mary. Wouldn't that have been great? Pull Mary aside and say, Oh, come on, tell me that Christmas story again. Tell me the... He probably didn't use the word Christmas, but that's the way we say it. Tell me the birth of Christ. Tell me what it was like to raise it. Tell me these things. Maybe he went and found a few of the shepherds. Say, hey, come over here and tell me about this too. His descriptions of them in these words are really quite wonderful. Let me give you the picture again. It says the shepherds went back. We read that as kind of, oh, hum, yeah, 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 yeah. They went back. To go back is not a fancy phrase in the Greek language. It's not really complicated at all. It's a very common expression of someone returning to where they came from. Right? Say, okay, this is all right. It's a term you would use if you went to the doctor's office or to the grocery store and you went back home. All right? Simple word, right? In the shepherd's case, they went back. They went back to the hillside where the sheep were. They went back to, maybe there were other shepherds they left in charge while they left. I don't know if they would have just left the flock and gone. But I don't know. But they went back to where they were watching that flock. It doesn't say they retraced their steps. Actually, that would be kind of comical, maybe even amusing if they did. 
Can you imagine them going back to the next stable, next door, swinging that door open? We found him. Slam the door. Go down there. Swing the door open. We found him. And they, can you imagine that picture? They knocked on every door that they knocked on all the way and said, Hey, let's tell you what happened. We just seen the Savior. On and on and on. They could have been in Bethlehem all day long. Just telling people what. So they didn't trace it back step by step. But in a simple way, this is what Luke records. This is what I like. Yes, he says, oh, they went back. They went back. But they were noisy as they did. Because there are two, what we call, present active participles attached to the word went back. While they were going back, he tells us what it looked like. While they were going back, This went on and on and on. While they were going back, they were continuously glorifying God. While they were going back, they were continuously praising God. They didn't just creep their way through Bethlehem quietly. They didn't go down the ravines of the paths and all that. Don't wake anybody. The words that Luke chose here is that they went back in a noisy manner. They went back praising. They went back glorifying God. They went back repeating the words. They were telling the story. They were recounting the sight over and over and over. That's what a present active participle does. It's a constant action that goes with that verb. They went back rather excitedly. I could almost hear one of them say, pinch me and see if this is real. Right? This is amazing! And they couldn't stop talking about it. How long would it take before they got in touch with their family? You know, they were at work. Pull out the cell phone and start texting, right? Boy, do you need to see what I saw today. Could you imagine them getting on Facebook? They had little pictures. What did that do? Great. They had it back then. We would all be able to see it. Could, could you imagine this, though? Every time somebody walked past the, the, the field of the sheep there, the shepherds were there. Every time somebody walked past, they'd say, where are you going? Where are you going? You're going to Bethlehem? You've got to see this. When you go, go see him. And when somebody would come back the other way, they'd stop and say, did you see him? Did you see him? Boy, did we see something. Uh, uh, Could you imagine their excitement? This is what's wrapped into this little verse. They couldn't stop praising God. They couldn't stop glorifying God. They had a story to tell. They had to repeat it. Starting with that angelic vision in the night, they started telling their story. Ending where they're standing beside a manger. And they're viewing the message in flesh. They had to tell this story. They heard, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And they had to tell somebody. You will find him in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They had to tell somebody. Glory to God in the highest and all the angels around them. They had to tell this story. And they went back telling it. I I just can't help but those words had to have rang in their hearts. 
It all started with the angels, didn't it? The angels appear suddenly. You know, it's something about angels starting something. They do a lot in Scripture. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. The angels do an awful lot that begins a praise service. Let me note something with you. You ready? This is very interesting because it often happens this way. When God was having a conversation with Job, boy, are we going back a long ways. And in Job chapter number 38, God is talking to Job. And angels who are known to praise God, we understand that. We read passages like, you know, the angelic beings around his throne, and they're shouting out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, you know, we have that understanding that angels, that's their job, right? They praise the Lord. They do it all the time. They don't get tired. They're, they're always praising God. But in Job, when the world was created... God is asking Job a few questions. And it was really putting Job in his place. But at the same time, it was showing how great God is. In Job 38, starting in verse 4, Where were you, God says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who said its measurements? Job, who did that? Uh, you know. Who stretched the line out on it? What is its basis sunk on, Job? Who laid this cornerstone? Who did that, Job? When all this was done, when all the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now those are interesting phrases, morning stars and sons of God, and they're used throughout Scripture in reference to angelic beings. And so the simple picture is that as God is describing creation in ways that really goes beyond our imagination, he's saying, the angels were there, and they were praising God. They were shouting for joy as God created the world. And it's almost as if they were saying, all right, creation now, chime in with our song. Join us. And we read in Psalm 19, beautiful words. The heavens are telling the glory of God. The expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. Nature has joined in with the song. Turn with me for a minute to Psalm 148. It's not hard to find. It's near the very end of the book of Psalms. Psalm 148. I want to show you something really cool here. Watch how all this goes together. Start with the angels again. Alright? Verse number 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His hosts. And then the nature starts to join into the song. Verse 3, praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all the stars of light. Praise Him, the highest heavens and all the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which will not pass away. Praise the, earth, praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters. 
and all the deep, and fire, and hail, and snow, and clouds, and stormy winds, fulfilling His words. The mountains, join in. The hills, all the hills. The fruit trees, the cedar trees, the beast, the cattle, creeping things, the winged fowl. Let them all join in the chorus. And by the way, we need some human voices too. And he says in verse 11, Kings of the earth and all the people, princes and all the judges of the earth, both young men and virgins and old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven, for He has lifted up a horn for His people. Praise for all His godly ones, even for the sons of Israel, people near to Him, Praise the Lord. You see how the chorus built? It grew. It started with a bunch of angels and then nature and suddenly there's people voices in there too. It's just interesting to me when I think it through. Praise is not limited to one social class or another. Praise is not measured by a bank account. Praise is not measured by employment ranking. Praise is not for one age group or one racial group. It's not about your talent. It's not about your eloquence. It's not about your power. It's not about your position. A king can praise the Lord, and a shepherd can praise the Lord. Sometimes I wonder if the shepherds do a better job. I was thinking about our choir last week. You heard the voices singing praise to the Lord. Voices of doctors and nurses, carpenters, farmers, writers, pastors, real, retail workers, government employees, retired minister's wife, high school students, some who have been to Bible college, some who went to universities, some who served in the military, some are chefs, some are welders, some of them serve you chicken with pleasure. They were all in one voice, giving praise to God. Now, it isn't a matter of pride that puts you in the choir. It's the opportunity to praise. If we stopped last week, would the rocks have started? Would the trees do a better job? You know, there's some verses that ask that question. We often think that the angels are are the ones who praise God the most at the Christmas scene. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and shouting or saying or maybe singing glory to God in the highest. And yet, you know what that was? That was just priming the pump. Because guess what? The shepherds used the same word. As the angels who praised God, so did the shepherds. It's the exact same word. They had a story to tell. Let me take you to another scene for a few minutes. A scene, I I love this scene. It's in Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. It's a praise service too. It's a praise service. And I'd like to take you into Revelation to show you these praise services so that you can start practicing. Because you're going to need this someday. When you get there, you've got to know how to do it, right? 
So it's good to see what's happening. Let me show you the scene again. Revelation 4, starting in verse 1. And these, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. I hope your one is in a capital letter. That's God. And he, I, yeah, and he, verse 3, he who was sitting like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. I love that scene. A green rainbow. That's going to be cool. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon those thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments, and golden crowns on their heads. And out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Now, these are some sort of angelic being. They're not exactly like a Valentine Cupid, are they? They're like, well, that's pretty impressive. Verse 7 says the first one was like a lion, and the second one was like a calf, and the third one was like the face of that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, these angelic beings, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes, around and within, and day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was, and who is, and who is to come. Watch this. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him, how often are they doing it? All the time. And every time they start this up, it's like, well, verse 2 now, the same thing happens. When they give thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and will worship Him who lives forever and ever. And they will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, now wait, who are these sons? 24 elders, the commentators are full of all kinds of ideas. They think they represent human beings. They think they might represent the church. And they think they might represent maybe even the Old Testament tribes. The disciples, 12, 12 tribes, 24 elders. Some say that that's quite possible. When we get there, we'll know for sure. But what I like is the angels started it. And notice the elders picked it up. They put their voice in with it too. I just love the scene. How many times are they going to fall off their thrones? Can you see it? It's got to be fun to watch. The one won't stop. The other just plop, 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 up, up, down, up, down. Casting their crowns. And the Lord says, oh, this is your crown. Put it back. Cast it again. Nope, oh, this is your crown. Cast it again. And it's just a fun sight. I think it's really cool. They add their voice to the choir too. And they say in verse 11, Worthy are you, O Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because 
of your will they existed and were created. Here's the same picture that you saw in 148, that you saw in Job, that you see where they start praising God and they bring up creation as part of that. What God has done and they start to give praises and praises and praises. How many voices do you need? Spurgeon said this, Does not all nature around me praise God? If I were silent, I should be an exception to the universe. Does not the thunders praise Him as it rolls like drums in the march of the gods of army? Do not the mountains praise Him when the woods upon their summit wave in adoration? Does not the lightning write His name in letters of fire? Has not the whole earth a voice? And shall I, can I be silent? I love that phrase. If I were silent, I would be an exception to the universe. Like I said, I don't need to read to you or preach to you in such a way to bring conviction. The Holy Spirit can do a pretty good job, can't He? He knows what your heart thinks and how it responds to His message. He knows your reaction to what you have seen and what you have heard yourself, and whether or not you've told, whether or not you've even given Him praise. He knows all these things. But I do read this passage today because it really only takes one to respond and to give praise to God. Sometimes you say, but I can't do it. I don't have enough people around me. You can do it by yourself. There's a great, great illustration of this. It's in Luke chapter 17. And it had to do with Jesus on his way to Jerusalem one day. And he's passing by uh, a territory between Samaria and Galilee. And he goes into a village there. There were ten men there. They were all lepers. And we read about these folks from time to time. We see the word leper and we just kind of move right by that. If you stopped and looked at these men, they all had a hopeless death warrant on their body. They were going to die from that disease. There was no cure. There was no hope. There was no future as far as they were concerned. And they stood at a distance, it says in Luke 17, as he was coming by. And they raised their voices and they shouted out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Really? That's all he said? Go. Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. One of them, it says, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed. I just love that phrase. Wow! Can you imagine? Isn't that an exciting thought? Suddenly, maybe he had fingers missing and they're there. I've got to hear it again. Feet! I feel healthy. There's nothing on me. Can you imagine the excitement? One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he turned back glorifying God with a loud voice, it says. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. 
you probably know what the rest of the story is. Jesus asked a very important question. Where's the other nine? I let that sit in your heart. But I take you back to this. And it was just one. Out of the ten. They all received the same thing. They all received healing. Every one of them could have responded the same way. But only one said, I'm going to praise him for that. And they turned around and gave him glory. When we talk about the salvation we have in Jesus Christ, does not, doesn't that just excite you to the fullest measure? To know that you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? Isn't that great? Okay? It's like, wow! You have been changed forever. Do you know it? Forever? You're going to go live with God in heaven someday. Isn't that great? All these glorious things we read about in Scripture. Do you not have a story to tell? I once was lost and now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but now I'm alive in Jesus Christ. Isn't that a story worth telling? This is, this is the amazing part of what we're studying in this little passage. It was a message. And the message was, a Savior has been born for you. Don't put the shepherds off in their little manger scene over there and say, well, that was them. Guess what they were praising God about? It was about a Savior. And you can too. You can too. The response of the shepherds was a response of praise. It's entirely fitting that that response be given by those who benefit the most. In Psalm 107, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Simple thing. But that's what we should do. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I want to show you something. Turn to Psalm 107 with me. I want to show you something. I put it in my notes because I said, I don't know how much time I'm going to have. But I'm taking the time. Because I think we need to see this today. Psalm 107. The way this psalm is constructed, it's designed so that everybody can participate. As the psalmist starts to write, he says, this is his phrase. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Is that true? Oh, yes. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the adversary, and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Now, look at this group. He's going to describe to you. They're just wanderers. They're wanderers. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were thirsty. They were hungry and thirsty. And their soul was fainting within them. You could picture them out in the distress of a desert. And they can't find help. They can't find shelter. They can't find drink. They can't find anything. And then they cried out to the Lord in verse 6. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them also by a straight way. He took them, or He 
to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and for the wonders to the sons of men. For He has satisfied the thirsty soul. And the hungry soul He has filled with what is good. You say, wow, that group, they know what to praise the Lord about. He says, no, no, let me tell you about group number two. Start in verse number 10. Then there were those who dwelt in darkness. And in the shadow of death, they were prisoners in misery and chains. Here's this group of prisoners. Because they had rebelled against the word of God. And they spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he humbled their heart with labor. And they stumbled. And there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and out of the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindnesses, for his wonders to the sons of men. He shattered the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron asunder. Say, boy, they had something to praise the Lord about, didn't they? He set them free. And you say, okay, great. Well, group three. Now, chime in, please. Starting in verse 17. Fools! Oh, this is not a happy group. They're sinners. Fools! Because of their rebellious ways and because of their iniquities, they were afflicted. Their souls abhorred all kinds of food. They drew near to the gates of death. And they hopeless as they were, cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He sent His Word, and He healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness, and for His wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and tell of His works with joyful singing. Who wouldn't? When you realize what He's done for you, who wouldn't say, I've got to tell. I've got to sing. You say, okay, that's, that's quite a group, Pastor. Group four. They have to chime in too. In verse number 24, these are sailors, or 23, these are sailors. They go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters. They have seen the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. And he spoke, and he'd raise up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea, and they rose up to the heavens. You can picture this. The wave lifting the boat way up in the air, and suddenly the wave is gone. And the boat's there. And down it comes. Would you like that ride? That'd be a rough one on a, on a rough sea. They, here he says, he raised up a stormy wind, lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens and they went down to the depths and their souls melted away in their misery. They reeled and they staggered like a drunken man and were at wit's end. There was no hope for them. Their boat was going to sink. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still. Remember the disciples in the boat? He says, to the waves, peace be still, and they stopped. God's good at waves, by the way. So that the waves of the sea were hushed, and they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindnesses and his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seats of the elders. 
talked about it. <laughs> Sailors, they do that. They tell their stories. And they're running around telling it to everyone they can. And then it goes in from verse 33 on, saying, this is what God has done. This is just what God has done. He changed rivers into a wilderness. He takes springs of waters into a thirsty ground. A fruitful land becomes a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He changes the wilderness into a pool of water. Dry land into springs of water. And there he makes the hungry to dwell so that they may establish an inhabited city. And they sow fields and plant vineyards and gather a fruitful harvest. Harvest. He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly. And he does not let their cattle decrease. When they are diminished and bowed down through oppression or misery or sorrow, he pours contempt upon princes, makes them wander in a pathless waste. But he sets the needy securely on high, away from the affliction, and he makes his family like a flock, and the upright see it. And they're glad, and all unrighteousness shuts its mouth. Who is wise, folks? This is what the psalmist says. Let him give heed to these things, and consider the loving kindness of the Lord. When you start to trace it out, and you see what God has done, what God has done, what God has done, what God has done, does it not bring you to a response that says, I've got to tell this story. I've got to tell somebody what he has done for me. You know, angels are quite capable of praising God for what they see him do. But only those who are saved can say thank you. That's you and me. We are the ones who say thank you in our praise. In Revelation 5.8, when he... Jesus took the book. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense and all the prayers of the saints, and they started to sing a new song. Here they go again. Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and people and tongue and nation. And you made them to be a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I looked, John says, and I heard the voice of many angels out there. The thrones and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And they're shouting out with a loud voice. Worthy is a lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing in the heavens. This is a big choir. All of them on the earth. All of them under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. I heard it say, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The shepherds went back, glorifying God and praising Him. For all that they had heard and seen. What have you seen? What have you heard? What do you know about this great God of ours? About what he's done for you? 
We spent so much time, I know, this Christmas season looking at these shepherds. I think we learned a few things from them. I think it's been valuable for us to study them. Let's look at what we were told, what we were heard, what we saw. Let's go and let's tell. Let's go and let's praise. Let's go and let us be as so many others who we've read about. Answering the question, what did God do to deserve that praise? And then tell them. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. That's what the shepherds did. Heavenly Father, what an incredible, incredible look at these choruses. The voices that go into them that sing praise to your name. We'd like to put our voice in there too. We want to sing in that choir. We want to be part of that. We've got a story to tell. And I pray that it just resonates so strongly in our hearts and beings that we have to tell. We have to go. We have to praise. We have to glorify you. Lord, you're the one who instills that within us because you help us see what we've never seen. Help us to hear what we had never heard. You are the one who brought to us the Word of God. You brought to us a Savior, Jesus Christ. You have given to us and given to us and given to us and given to us. It's time for a response. And I pray that it will come from a sincere heart today as we lift up our praise before you. Thank you. Father, for what you have done. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for the salvation we have through his name. Thank you that you're with us now, as you promised, and someday we'll be with you too, just like you said. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.